Welcome once again to Devotional. This is Pastor Ariel and we are starting a brand new quarter. The last one for 2018 for October, November and December. For these three months, we're going to be studying Oneness in Christ. I am excited. I have a fresh new lesson before me and this is the first lesson that we're going to be looking at for September 29th through October 1st. Uh, it is entitled Creation and the Fall. And I love this. It's a thematic lesson. It's not like the previous one on the book of Acts that we went verse by verse. Now we're going to be looking at a theme. What it takes. What does it mean? What is that experience like? Oneness in Christ. And it, the the author of the lesson, Dr. Fortin, he was the dean of the seminary when I was studying at Andrews University, um, does an excellent job at creating a foundation. How are we going to start this study on oneness? And he begins with creation and fall. Uh, for this week, uh, you'll want to study or listen. Uh, I like to listen to the Bible as I'm driving. It actually saves time. Uh, you can listen to Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 11 and Genesis chapter 15. It may sound like much, but actually I've been able to cover a good four or five cha uh, chapters going from my house to Oakwood Church. So in just that 15, 20 minute commute, you have plenty of time to cover several chapters. So you can listen to these and meditate, let it percolate in your head uh, for this week. So you'll have your own fresh insights for this coming Sabbath for uh, your Sabbath school class, wherever you may be meeting. Uh, of course, with my churches, it would either be the Monroe Church or the Oakwood Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, the memory verse says, Then God brought Abraham outside and said, Look now toward heaven, and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And Abraham believed in the Lord, and the Lord counted it to him for righteousness. And that's Genesis chapter 15, verses 5 through 6. And here in this First Sabbath afternoon, there's quite a bit to, to study and listen, um, story to read, <laughs> like I said, listen to. Um, but I want to read one sentence from this. Is that the last sentence of the last paragraph? It says, God works through people to restore unity and to make his will known to lost humankind. God does not restore unity by some a mysterious, mystic, ethereal, abstract intervention. It's very tangible. You and I are the instruments of unity that God wants to work through to bring about this change. And the lesson, um, we're just priming and pumping right now, the lesson will highlight that we are fallen people. It makes me think then, how can, how can God work through broken people that are prone to division, prone to being isolated, and use these broken people to bring unity with other human beings. How can God do that? And the lesson this week will highlight how to do this. And uh, we will summarize it today and expand it throughout the whole week. You will learn a lot. This is not just about, you know, um, singing Kumbaya type of oneness. This is extremely deep um, experiential oneness that is heaven born, not human derived. And is essential for the church. Um, we, we're going to be um, looking at how spiritual restoration precedes human relational restoration, meaning before God can use you as an instrument of unity with other human beings, God will work you to unite you to him. 
God begins this work of using you as an instrument of unity by uniting, by leading you to choose to unite to him. John chapter 15, verse 5. If any man abide in me and I in him, um, that, that union that takes place between us and God through Christ is the, the genesis of experiencing restoration and oneness between human relationships. Now, I, I read that, I wrote that on the side of my lesson, and then immediately I thought of another verse, Matthew 5, 23 and 24. This means that it's not just, I'm going to be in my room praying all day, Lord, make our church one, take away the divisions, heal the wounds, etc. It's important, and that is the beginning of it. But there's a part for me to do as well to maintain that. Once I become uh, connected with the Lord, His Spirit is abiding in me. Then, as Romans 8.14 says, I'm being led by the, the Spirit. I am a child of God. Um, as I engage other people, uh, Matthew 5.23 and 24 tells us something that is like a cycle. It begins with my connection with God. But in order for that connection with God to be sustained, I must do something with other human beings. And here Jesus is, you know, gives us that beautiful, practical um, admonition. If you come to church with an offering, he says, and then in church you remember you have something or that a brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar. Don't bring that gift of prayer or praise or request. That connecting element between me and God. Leave that there. Before you do that, go and reconcile with your brother, with your sister. Then, after you have experienced oneness with your brother and your sister, after that, then come and continue my, your connection with me. It begins with God, but it is sustained through you and I. Which means that if there is a rupture between you and me, if there's a rupture between you and another brother or sister in the church and you don't fix that, that will affect your union with God. I'm going to read to you one verse as we conclude this initial thought um, as we begin this lesson. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. I'm reading from the New International Version. And treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. And here's the last, the clincher. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. So that your prayers may not be hindered, as the New King James says it. How you treat your wife can affect your prayer life. This um, allowing things to put wedges and cracks between me and the relationships of other human beings, whether it's in a marital context or in a church context or any other social context, but especially within the church. I cannot, you cannot afford to allow to experience division and separation in the church. It will not just affect your relationship with other human beings. Ultimately, it will affect your relationship with God. And we will look at this this week. But for now, if you need to apologize, if you need to forgive, if you need to put effort and intentionality in reconciling yourself with a church member, a family member, a friend, why not do it now? Especially in the marital relationship, we definitely don't want our prayers hindered.